you're able to help the community by creating affordable housing, but you also have higher returns if you know how to operate it with your investors. Um, Andrea, you talked about, uh, you know, having a good property manager who understands Section 8. And uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. What is the what is the difference between a regular property manager that somebody finds versus somebody who manages Section 8? Uh, there are a few differences. Uh, market rate, uh, market rate apartment manager. They have their own strategies of how they can increase Occupancy in a unit by marketing or through, you know, being able to engage their tenants and making sure that they're happy living there, maybe have a service coordinator on site. Uh, so I would say that um, the biggest difference between a market rate and a Section 8 property manager is that the Section 8 property manager is actually specialized in understanding how they can increase the rents, how they can keep the tenants happy and safe. And uh, the Section 8 project property manager, they're actually in charge of increasing the rents every year through what's called an OCAF, the Operating Cost Adjustment Factor Sheet. And then they, may, they have to understand how the numbers work. So you need, they need to know what's the debt service on the property. And then through the debt service, they're able to calculate uh, the increase per year that they can apply to that specific rent schedule. So... A Section 8 property has what's called a rent schedule attached to it, and that's the maximum that we can charge per unit type. But with a market rate a property manager, they have their own way of making sure that they keep the rents comparable to what's market rate around the area and what amenities they can charge. So they're thinking about your bottom line in terms of what's available nearby. But the Section 8 property manager is thinking about how can I legally increase the rents per year based on what the asset is operating at at the moment. And it's also... Yeah, so in other words, like, so, so in other words, like, you know, recently the, the rents have gone up tremendously. So the Section 8 uh, property managers may not be able to get it up to that market rent immediately. It'll happen over years, mm-hmm. uh, depending on you know how they increase it. And that would be one of the downsides of having a Section 8 property. Yes, that's one of the downsides uh, because you can't, like, I'll give you the biggest example of what happened with us. In 2021 to 2022 and 2023, the rents kept going up usually in some markets, year over year, 30%. 30% increases right. here, 40% increase in rent here. So the issue with that is that if you're a market rate property manager, you can actually see when's the next tenant moving out, and then you can increase the rent immediately of that unit to what's market rate. But a Section 8 property manager cannot do that. They have to go based off of what it's gradual increases they can do year over year with the rent schedule that's in place and the OCAF increase in rent that they submit to HUD. Unless if it's um, submitted, that increase in rent is submitted through RCS, Rent Comparability Study, which happens usually every five years or whenever you're about to do a large-scale renovation. So really, you could, in Section 8, you can increase the rents to market rate if you're able to either do a large-scale renovation or do what's a rent comparability study every five years. That, those are really the only massive ways to increase your unit to market rate. 
Rinse. Okay. So um, the other thing I wanted to find out and kind of um, for my own education would be, um, is the debt available for Section 8 different from the debt available for market rate properties? Are there any incentives for people investing in affordable housing? The debt is different. Um, With Section 8, you would have FHA financing available. You can have Fannie Mae financing available. Um, and also depending on the asset class you're investing in, occupancy rates, you all that also depends on what type of debt is available to you by different lenders. And depending, you know, some lenders won't rent, they will not lend to you or, or to your building based on the asset if it has over 90%, uh, if it has more than 90%, I would say, sorry, less than 90% occupancy. <laughs> So I've seen lenders, right. I was gonna if, they, say, uh, <laughs> if they say, if they see 89% occupancy, they will probably not lend to you or they'll say, Hey, try this other place, but it'll be more expensive. So sometimes if an asset is not stabilized, you have to go for bridge lending, which is more costly to you and your investors. So bridge lending is essentially bridging the gap between the non-stabilized asset and where you could be stabilized. And then the lending for a bridge loan might be a couple of months. It could be a year, it could be two years, but you're paying points on that loan. So it's, it's very important for you to see if it's a stabilized asset, uh, if it's occupancy levels are high and also to see what type of debt is out there. So go shop around. You could also talk to mortgage brokers uh, lenders right. and see but but are there any incentives in terms of you know when you're providing affordable housing do they are there any incentives available for uh, the debt that's around out there uh, for people who want to kind of invest in affordable housing oh there's tons of incentives yeah I mean you know the biggest lenders out there right now um, the affordable housing survey that just came out said that the biggest lenders out there that can lend to you if you're investing in affordable housing, they want to give you their money because they understand that you're, they're getting that subsidy money from the government. So if, let's say if half your units move out, they still understand like, okay, they're probably more than likely going to have other tenants moving in there and they're not going to price people right. out of that building. <laughs> so they feel right, more comfortable yeah. Understanding that, you know, the tenants will pay, if not HUD will pay for the rent. So right. that's another incentive for that. But, <laughs> you know, it's not just who pays the rent. It's also the fact that they get tax advantages, too. So if right. the property right. is a Section 8 building and then you have tax exemptions or tax abatements, that's a that's a big return on income for them. Like they understand that they're going to make an interest rate for a certain amount of time. And then you also have to be aware of what are the uh, prepayment penalties. If you're able to pay off the loan, you know, what's the penalty? Right. Well, I think, uh, you know, from this discussion, I, uh, it seems like there are a lot of advantages to Section 8 housing or affordable housing in whichever form you take it. Uh, you have the advantages of either tax exemption, tax abatement. You have uh, some, you know, be- some debt uh, debt products available specifically for affordable housing, which might be by, better set for you, then you have the other advantages of having that short shot money coming in because the HUD is paying for it, the government is paying for it. And um, a lot of times the vacancy will be lower because 
there's usually a long waiting line for Section 8, uh, you know, tenants. Um, but getting into this is, of course, a very nuanced, uh, you know, subsection of real estate. And having the proper understanding is crucial. And it's important because whenever there is government involved, there's going to be a lot of red tape, there's going to be a lot of paperwork, to, and you need to get that done before you can actually start getting, accruing those benefits that, that uh, you know, uh, that we're talking about. And uh, not only that, say you buy a property thinking that that might be the business plan, you should have an exit plan, exit strategy for that. What if that doesn't happen? And what do you do at that point in time? Because, you know, all of these are things that we, we talk about, but we always need to have a backup for that asset. There's multiple exit strategies, especially when you're working and investing in affordable housing. So I will I will say this, that I was actually just talking the other day with a developer that work, lives and works here in, in Los Angeles, and he has a nonprofit where he's able to work with affordable housing investors, and then he's able to buy these properties, make sure that he's the owner, but then he keeps partnerships alive with these affordable housing investors so that he can his team can renovate the units and then he sells it back to that investor but they both make money in the transaction so there's so many incentives on affordable housing and th- that's one of the exit strategies is working with a nonprofit in order to renovate the units and then create subordinate loans and then be able to repurchase it back through either a tax credit resyndication or through um, an exchange and sale there's and then that's one way Another way is that you can consider an exit strategy is either selling it to a nonprofit or just selling it and seeing what the exit would be in a couple of years. Uh, right now, we saw a huge amount of properties sold in this in the last two years, and now the economy is kind of slowing down. So for investors who are nervous about getting into affordable housing or just multifamily investing in general, they just need to make sure that they're conservatively underwriting for uh, interest rates going up, you know, the basis points that might go up from the Fed. They have to consider the exit cap rate, the capitalization rate that they're going to exit at and see if the asset is going to increase in value, then they're, it's gonna, you're going to have a little bit of a higher cap rate um, down the line and how you can increase the rents. So you need to make sure, number one, that you're buying in the correct area (laughs) that you're buying your (laughs) building in a good market because are there location is key the location is key it's number one you know i'm not going to buy in a crappy area where there's no job growth no population growth you know there's no actual big manufacturers or large uh, plants that are not being built so you know i want to go where there is growth i don't want to go where it's stagnant in the middle of of you know a huge farm area where i really i'm not going to be able to rent my units (laughs) Right. I mean, it may be cheaper to buy it there, but there's a reason why it's cheap. Exactly. You get what you pay for, for sure. <laughs> you get what you pay for or what you negotiate for. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been a fun discussion. Any any other parting thoughts, Andrea, before we end this? Uh, my parting thoughts to anybody who's considering just becoming a real estate investor, I would say become a real estate investor based on the type of lifestyle you want to live. I knew from my personality, I love my weekends. 
but my respects go out to real estate agents. I can never be an agent. <laughs> I'm not licensed <laughs> um, to be an agent or a broker, but I've done multifamily investing for five years and I've, I'm an investor in over, I would say 1200 units at the moment. And I get residual uh, distribution checks that happen every quarter or every six months, depending on what I've invested in. So I like the mailbox money. I, I don't want to deal with the headache of having tenants call me with their broken toilets. I want to have a property manager that can manage that. And I just do all the hard work on the front end to make sure that we buy right. So see if multifamily investing is for you. It's been a very fulfilling life and I want to keep providing great housing to tenants in general, not just affordable housing, but tenants that can feel excited about where they live and not destroy my unit. <laughs> so if you want to understand a little bit more about affordable housing or just how to underwrite, feel free to follow me at Andrea Garcia, REI. Uh, that's my handle for Instagram, Facebook, or wherever you find me. And, you know, reach out to us. If you have any more questions, I'm always looking for value add buildings and assets. And we're currently investing in Columbus and Cincinnati, Ohio. So if you guys know of anything out there that's a great opportunity, feel free to reach out to me. And if you just want to get to know us or get to know me, I'm happy to, you know, give you a little bit more insight about it, but you really can do what you stick your mind to. Like you, you can achieve anything you, you want to accomplish. And I'm, I'm, I'm just excited yeah, to I love in it. space <laughs> for the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Anymore. I mean, it's so exciting that, you know, uh, that you're a, you're 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 a partner in in whatever we're doing, and uh, we're really excited about. Um, and I'm actually very bullish on on Columbus primarily and Cincinnati in uh, you know the assets that we're looking at. So, uh, folks, definitely follow Andrea on her Instagram and follow her on Facebook. And uh, if you guys have any questions, certainly reach out to her. You can reach out to me, um, and uh, you can get all the information about me uh, on uh, www.theimmigrantdoctor.com. Well, thank you yes. so much, Andrea, for joining me for this episode. Uh, this was a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun with you, Vishkar. You know, we want to keep <laughs> providing value to people out there. And just reminding, you know, it's it just takes one thing at a time. Learn one thing at a time, and then you'll become an expert in what you're doing. But you will right. nobody will ever care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And I care a lot right. about my tenants and people that I work with and my investors. So I hope I can leave you with that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, guys, if you haven't done already, please go check out my free video series on how to do due diligence on operators and on deals before investing in them. It's called Real Estate Rx for Passive Investors, and it's available at www.rerxcourse.com.